As doors have closed in one country after another, God has opened uh, a door for the gospel in another country, and he has moved from one to the other. Most recently, he was on the team that we're involved with in Egypt, uh, the team that Tom Brown has been serving on, and uh, there he was also uh, arrested and sent out of the country, uh, left there, went to be with Dan and Monica, uh, our people also in that part of the country, spent some time with them, encouraging them and being encouraged, comforted by them, and God moved him on. They're on their way to Tunis. And what we, what, what God has demonstrated over and over in Mazhar's life is his his faithfulness to to just be a support and encouragement to show himself to Mazhar and things that we look at at threats to his life in in difficult situations for his family things that we look on with fear God has taken him through those and the fear is gone all he sees left is the glory of God and it's just an encouragement to me to know that the things I fear that God can take me through them and I'll see the glory of God Mazhar is in the States. Uh, he and his wife, his wife is in Southern California. She wasn't able to come up, but Mazhar is in the States for just a, a short time. I wanted him to come up here, have a chance to, to minister to you. I wanted you to have the privilege of being exposed to this man and to his love for the Lord. So we ask him to, to come up. He's been here with us the weekend. He spoke at Salt. We had a prayer meeting last night, and he's been doing other ministries here in Boise, and I just wanted him to uh, uh, to come and speak to you. So, Masar, would you please please come up? If he were to read the passage he's going to be speaking from from his Bible, it uh, would sound something... Like uh, this, that doesn't mean anything. I don't know any Arabic, but I know the sounds. But uh, Mazar has asked if I would uh, just read to you from Luke chapter 15. And so I'll read starting with verse 11 through the end of the chapter. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with reckless living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. I'll go and get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and, and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they begin to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. When it came, when he came, approached the house, he heard music and dancing. 
And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things might be. And he said to him, Your brother has come. Your father has killed the, the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began entreating him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for many years I have been serving you, and I've never neglected a command of yours, and yet you've never given me a kid that I might be merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said, My child, you've always been with me, and what's mine is yours. But we had to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, and was lost, and has been found. You could tell why I am not allowed to stand there, because uh, of my height, I believe. You know, one uh, time, one short guy came, and they bought bucks for, for him to stand. And the passage he read, he said, after a little while, you're not going to see me anymore. Sure, the bucks broke down, and he disappeared. I, uh, I, I have a privilege to be here around uh, you folks, and I appreciate you. I have fellowship with you through uh, Dan, Monica, and Tim, and Melissa, and Tim Brown. And I appreciate, standing, appreciate you standing behind them. I pray when you go to heaven, some Arab will usher you to the presence of Christ and say thank you. Because if you make, you make it possible for us to be in the kingdom of God and also Chinese, I hope the Arab will be better looking than me. <laughs> uh, you know, all the if you come to Christ teaching, always trying to use the objective, the way of life, people living in to draw them to the kingdom of God. And here we see him taking picture of the family in Middle East to give us the picture of the kingdom of God. What's it look like? I know it is very a strange picture for you because you live in, in very individual life. We don't live in the individual life. He is all his teaching, always trying to say to you, we are one. You, I am in the Father and you are in me and we are one. Always trying to tell you about the unity. He said in my father's house, when my father has many houses. It's we are united. We are under one roof. In the, in the Middle Eastern family, no, no such individual at all. Everyone belongs to each other. We are living in the community life. I get be old and get married. My father will build extend house to the house. So always we have family life united. So nothing belongs to me. All Everything belongs to the family. No such individual, no such uh, something to me. So when the old father, uh, sometimes he got old, he tried to divide his heritage. Before he died, he, die, he divided his heritage. Uh, what belongs to me, it's not for my, it's for my children too. If you are in the Western world and your child comes to you and say to you, give me my heritage, what you, what's your reaction to him? Which kind of heritage? It's mine. You have nothing to do with it. In the age 18, you, you throw your child out, but in the age 45, I'm still under my father. In 60, I'm still under my father. We are united. No such individual at all. And remember Paul trying to tell you, we are in heritage in Christ. What Christ has, it's yours. And what yours, it's his. 
no such division. We are united. So this old, this young man came and Christ trying to teach us the unity, the bondage with each other. This young man got tired of the life he's living under his father and he said, give me my heritage. And what the father done, he gave him his heritage. Look at, notice about his attitude. What he said, he said, give me. Notice about our daily life. The center of all our life, it's me. Me, give me, bless me, 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 me. And many times I talk with people and they say, we miss something in life. We want to be ourselves. Notice what this guy missing in his life after he left his father. After he broke the unity from his father. It's me. Give me. It's me. I want to be myself. The most suffering in the Western world today, the declining of the West today, because the center of the life. All the teaching you are receiving today, be yourself. Center yourself. Self-center. Self-control. Everything self. And when you are for yourself, you are the most miserable, suffering person in the world. God did not mean to be for yourself. This man wanted to be by himself, for himself. And many young women and ma young men and ma even married people, they will say, I miss something in life. I want to be by myself. And we see they break relationship and go away. And this young man broke his relationship and went. Where he went? The story our Lord telling us, he may went to Syria, about 100 kilometers from the border, where my Lord teaching. And he became Fanon. And in the time he became Fanon, he started to ask to my pigs. Notice he, wherever you go, you try to spend more money than usually you spend in your hometown. You show your generosity as tourist. And this man spent in his money unwisely. And later he came Fanon and he started mining pigs. For the Jew to mine pigs, this is the most humiliated, the most insulting things could happen in his life. And when he was there, he thought about his father. What he said, he said, in my father's home, many servants have more than what I have. And what he said, I, I, he said to himself, I go and I say to my father, take me. See, the attitude changed. First he said, give me. Now he, when he came to himself, he said, I go to my father and I will say my, to my father, take me. He did not feel he is worse to be servant for his father because the servant live under, inside the house, under the umbrella of the house, under the umbrella of the master of the house. He did not feel worse to do that. He feel he will go and ask his father, take me as daily labor. I mean, he did not feel worse to be under his umbrella of his father. Daily labor means you want somebody to work for your home, you go to the market and many men standing in the street and you hire them for the day and they finish the relationship. He did not feel he's worth it to work for his father. When he came to his sins, he said, I go to my father and I ask him, take me. 
You know, uh, when Aristotle studied Greek tragedy, he came to turning point. He said, in every human life, turning point, either he responds to the darkness or he responds to the light. This gentleman came to turning point in his life. I, I uh, born in the Muslim world, and I just want to tell you a little about Muslim world so you know what I am coming through. Uh, the early Christian church, as I shared many times, it's exactly for me like this little son. Started to think about their self. Started to be considered about the, the center of call community or another church. And forget about the need of the world and start to consider about their self. It's exactly like Predical Son's story. And the early Christian church after the second and third generation, uh, second and third century, started to be considered about itself, about consider about doctrine, about uh, how they make more building, how, how they could uh, be their self, how they could be just considered about their self and forget to reach out to the world. When you don't reach out to the world, the world will reach out to you, will be affected by the world. And that's, for me, the sign of the death of the church in the in Middle Eastern, uh, in that period of the history. So, we see many, many, uh, the, the church started to die. No, they failed to reach out uh, to the world. They failed to meet the, the Great Commission. It's room for somebody else to start moving. Muhammad was a young man, he's merchant. He was, he, he born in Saudi Arabia. He started wondering and started questioning about life. Like this young man, he went to the pigs. He started questioning about the life. He used to come from uh, Saudi Arabia, through uh, Palestine, through Jordan, coming to Syria and back and questioning and meeting many people around, meeting Christian who used to be hard Christian. Mean heretics, they have very funny idea. They actually believe Christ, uh, the, the Muslim belief from the Muhammad idea about Christ. The Christian believe actually Christ, uh, the Lord, uh, the, the, the Father unite, has communication, physical communication with Mary and they have son through that. Because uh, uh, the connection Muhammad had with the Christian at that time, they believe Mary the mother of God and uh, how God could have son and all the myths, uh, Greek theology, if you, if you know about uh, Greek theology, how the father, the, the God has a relationship with the woman and they have son. So that's mixed up with the Muhammad and all his idea about Christianity is blasphemy, how God could have relationship with woman because of the connection of he had with the Christian community at that time of, in, in, in the history. And he started calling, he has also a connection with the Jewish uh, heretics and also with the paganism. And he, wa he, had, he maybe have good motivation. He want to, to see all these people who fighting in the idol, killing each other, united under one religion called it submission to God, Islam. And he start moving. He may be, as I said, he has good motivation. But we see in the history, many good motivation lead to hell. And we see how in the... In the end of 7th century, the Muslim control of all over Middle East. And actually the church, the people in the church 
was looking at Muhammad as liberated, liberated person from being slave under the Byzantine Empire because the church, the people in the church at that time paying very high tax to, to their church institution. So Muhammad came to liber liberate them from the church and we see them in the, in the, hand, in the first Islamic century, the end of seventh century, control all Middle East, all North Africa to the bottom of Europe. Why? Because the church refused, wanted to be by itself. Give me, bless me, 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 me. I born in, in, uh, in, in Syria and uh, from very Muslim family. My grandfather used to be the imam for Syria. And uh, as a child I grow and I memorize the Quran in the age 13. The, the Quran is the size of the uh, New Testament. When I used to, to pray and practice Muslim, I felt its gap between me and between God. All my picture about God, he's God sitting in the cloud smoking his water pipe, and I am suffering, he doesn't care about me. In the age 18, I withdraw from Islam, and I started studying uh, another religion. I studied Brahma, Manusmarti, Krishna, Buddha, Greek, ancient Greek religion, ancient Egyptian religion. I uh, uh, major in university, the, uh, in religion and literature, and I didn't study anything about Christianity at that time. Because the only Christian person in, in my hometown, he is, he's Armenian and he owned the bar. And you know the connection, because the Muslim in Syria, uh, uh, the role in Syria, the Muslim not allowed to run the bar, so the Muslim have this opportunity. The Christian have this opportunity. So all my connection with the Christianity through that man. But, uh, in the age 22, I, I uh, became disillusioned with all religion, and I wrote poetry, how God died, and I wonder why human beings still worshipping dead God. The reason I came, because I see it's, it's uh, contradict between the theory and the life. What, what Buddha talked about nirvana, he said it's peaceful life. Nirvana, for me, I saw it like smoke. And he himself, he was the most warrior person in the world. I give you a clear picture. For me, all these teachers, religious teachers, they were talking something not related to their life. The best books written how to make money, written by Karl Marcus, but he died poor, theory and life. The best books written how to raise kids, written by Jan Jacques Rosso, the name of the book, never written the best book until now, 200 years, still the best book. The name of the book, Emil, but he has five children. What he done in his five children? To practice what he said, he sent them to the orphanage. Theory and life. And I felt, what these people teaching me not relate to my life, not to relate to them, so doesn't make sense to me. I became very disillusioned and I became atheist. I didn't believe in God. And I felt human because he's suffering. He created his own God to please his mentality and God not exist. And uh, I was in military at that time. In 1958, one man came to my tent and he was reading book like this book. You wonder why I didn't read anything about Christianity. For me, Christianity, the Anglo-Saxon religion, the Crusaders, all that is very, uh, a lot has to do with it. But I was studying Gandhi and Tolstoy. 
And Gandhi, for me, this little man, amazing how he took Christian principle in his movement against the Christian nation, has no Christian principle at all, and he won the battle. The first time in human history, movement, people of, movement of people, taking Christian principle against no, without Christ, against Christian nation, and he won the battle. And I believe Gandhi and Tolstoy create in my heart something to seek for Christ. So when this guy came to my tent and he was reading this Bible, I was in Golan Heights at that time, and uh, I felt, I asked him if he believed in it, he said yes. I said to myself, this guy's sick in his head. <laughs> but later I asked him, uh, I felt it's good, I mean, I'm writing, it's good, to, I could have some information what the Christian believes so I could write about it. I took the Bible and I spent one year reading the Bible. I read the, whole, the Old Testament 13 times, the New Testament 27 times. I know it is very sad when I tell people they shot, but I tell you, uh, you know, I mean, we have time. You, if you, uh, we have time to read. We have time to enjoy God. And uh, in, in the Western world today, you don't read the Bible. You read secondhand. You are Christian. Most our Christian experience, not, uh, not taking from Christ relationship, but from somebody else's experience. And that's dangerous in Christian life. Remember a Samaritan woman, the people reaction to her, they said, we, didn't, we believe what you said, but we believe because we have relationship with him. It's different. And uh, after that, after one year, I came to turning point like this young man. I came, either I commit suicide or I give my life to God. I was literally living in hell. Many times I couldn't sleep. I just write and write. And I wake up. It was Thursday, 20, October 29, 1959. And I said this word. If this is your word, you said you're going to give in your life. I don't know what is in your life. You know, I feel sorry because the human language is so limited when it's come to experience with God. I started to dance. I don't believe I am the only new creation at that minute. The whole world born with me. My friends' faces became different. The flowers became different. It's a new creation. I started to witness everybody said, it's mother and you human being. And uh, I used to be a heavy smoker, heavy, heavy drinker. I don't want to put sign. I stopped smoking. I used to smoke five packets a day. I drink uh, terribly. I don't want to make emphasis. I became Christian because I stopped smoking and drinking. This is secondary for me. It's not... Uh, that's, uh, I believe it's God when he leaves in me, he creates in us a new test. Of course, it uh, wasn't easy for me to uh, start witness to people. They kicked me out of military in 61. That's um, from Golan Heights. That's why Syria lost Golan Heights because I wasn't there. <laughs> so I went to my hometown and I start witnessing and uh, my family, of course, couldn't bury that because uh, for them, I became betrayer. I became uh, uh, anti their case. I changed camp. So one time, my, I was talking with people, and my uncle came to cut my throat. He cut me in the knife here, and I pushed it. I, he cut my hand, and uh, I almost lost my life. And the third day, I went to talk to him. I told him how much I love you, and I forgive you. And he asked me, 
Why what you are doing, you are not doing it by, by Muhammad's face. I said, Muhammad didn't die for me and give me new life. Christ who died and give me new life. And he asked me, you want to be Christian? I said, I am Christian. He gave me his hand and he said, be good Christian. I became a friend since he died now. Uh, later, I kid, uh, went to Lebanon, studied in Bible college and started writing Christian novel to explain the scripture to the Muslim world. And be, later I got to be involved in the, in the planting church. And Greg and I and several men, we founded Frontier. And we are, you know, as I said, the brother Chris said, we, we're being in Egypt and uh, three of, of believers being from Muslim background being arrested. So I being arrested and thrown out. My family stayed there for seven and a half months. It was very, very sad. But I tell you, it's very joy. You know, it is, uh, Sometimes we 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 think it, uh, we we experience the pain, but we experience the joy too. I mean, I tell you, I some people feel we're we're suffering, but I really I'm enjoying life. I think probably I enjoy it more than you. The night I was in jail is exactly the other night I'm sitting in the coffee shop or with friends. Doesn't make any difference. The condition outside condition doesn't change your condition inside. You know, you may feel, you may, the temperature at 65 degrees below zero, but your blood temperature, the same, never change. And where you, you are toned with God, the outside condition doesn't change your relationship with God. It's still the same when you are toning. Uh, today, the Muslim world, over a billion Muslims in the world, and we have hardly seen any missionary going to the Muslim world. If you walk from Morocco, to Algeria, Tunisia, to Afghanistan, nothing reminds you Christ visited the earth, because these people have been neglected from our church community, and uh, maybe it's every five million you have one missionary in the Muslim world. Actually, every hundred Christian dollar giving to the church or the uh, to church activity the christian activity one dollar and 75 cent goes to the mission field maybe two cent to the muslim world so this uh, back to the same story i want to finish because that's uh, it's important for me this young man returned to himself what he said he said take me and he walked broken to where to his father now, we are feeling people. I feel things. We feel things. I think uh, in Middle Eastern people, we feel things. The father saw him from distance. Remember uh, Rabika, when Ali Aza, servant, with Ab- a servant of Abraham, went to bring Rabika, what, who was in the field watching? Isaac. He felt his bride coming. So he saw it from distance. The father felt that morning his, his son's coming. And he was watching the road. And what he done? He felt by his heart, trembled by love and compassion. It's the same compassion Christ see, so, uh, had when he had the, saw the crowd. What's your compassion to see the people around you lost? And what the father done? He ran. Why he run? When we marry my wife, Australian, the first thing she told me in, in, in Egypt, I never seen anybody running. She went to Jordan to study Arabic there. She said to me, I never seen anybody running. Why we don't run? It's very, 
very anybody will run in the street is very he lose in his dignity he lose in honor he uh, he attract attention people will uh, will make fun of him especially old man to run he mean he has to tie his rope show his legs and that's very shame in arab world extremely shame but why this old man will run and he knows he's going to lose his dignity his honor everything and he will attract the attention why because the first one going to see his son coming he's going to start stone him according to the law in Deuteronomy 21 if you have any rebellious son you take him to the gate and start to stone him according to the law this he is considered rebellious son and we are will prepare to stone preparing son and a rebellious son so he went to bring him under his umbrella under his shoulder and the stone the young son going to take it the father took it the spit the young son going to take it the father took it he took the blame the same journey Christ took it in the to Jilgasa the same journey that the old father ran to bring his son the same journey Christ took from Jilgasa carrying the cross took you under his umbrella to the presence of the father you know the son prepared his message said i go and tell my father to take me do you think the father listen what he said it's the forgiveness there our forgiveness always condition i want to humiliate the person before he i forgive him this is not a christian attitude he took him and he gave him his robe robe of righteousness he gave him his ring rank of authority and he gave him his shoes shoes of peaceful walk and what's happened the old son came and he heard what's going on and he refused to go in and he, his father heard he came out and he said uh, he told his father wah in very impolite way and we never talk with the father with impolite way i talk with my father when my head always down and what he said to the father he said to look your son break the unity is exactly like us look at your daughter i have nothing to do with her look at your son he spent all his money in adulterness it's any story about adulterness nothing but we have imagination to build it and accuse the other and the father said your brother retain the unity your brother but what the old son said he said i am all these years you never killed anything to me you never done anything why you go to middle east we never eat without our children actually we wait until what the children eat and we eat the crops the children our joy but this old man why he never felt the father belong to him why so, so much separation wall between him and between the father he lived under his father umbrella years after years we may live under the church umbrella year after years but we never ever experience christ mind why it's something there 
Here, the young man being broken come and experience the father his. Why? In one turning, when he came to conclusion, and he said, I go and tell my father to take me. When you ask God to take you, you experience. When you give God yourself, you experience God yours. I have a friend, he was disillusioned in his Christian life, and uh, he has two girls, and his father, he was very depressed, and he, his wife prepared the breakfast and asked the daughters to go and tell the father the, the breakfast ready. So both of them came down, both of them ran, and the first one grabbed the father and started to hug him and said, my father, mine. He is mine. The second one started to cry. She crawled, reached out to, her, to his hand, hold his hand, and she said, I am his. When you are his, he is yours. Thank you.